We make all kinds of connections from our neighbors to our co-workers, from family members to people we interact with in business every day. What about the connections we make to ourselves? Today, we'll explore the connections that we make and how they define our lives. This is Things Worth Considering with hosts Gord Riddell and Alexia Georgiousis. It's time to consider the possibilities. Good evening and welcome to Things Worth Considering. Uh, we're a weekly talk show that uh, we like to present ideas to ponder and ideas to disagree with and uh, things worth considering in our lives. Uh, I'm your host, Gord Riddell, and I am here with my co-host, the ever-curious Alexia Georgiousis. Hey, Alexia. Hello, Gord. Hello there. Good, good. Uh, so um, everyone knows we are live. Uh, if you would like to join our conversation, uh, we have two f- fantastic guests. Um, you can call toll-free at one 888 346-9141, and that's from anywhere in North America. And international callers, you are also free to call at 001-480-5537, no, 5760. I'll repeat those numbers. In North America, 1-888-346-9141, and internationally, 001-480-5537. Five seven six zero. So let me first introduce our guests. Uh, first up is Mary Louise Albert. This lady has been dancing since she was a little person. Uh, she grew up to become an award-winning international dance soloist. Uh, she apprenticed with Le Grand Ballet Canadien and has danced with some of Canada's top companies and performed the works of some of the world's top choreographers. Uh, after 25 years, she was awarded the Eric Brun Award with the Dancers Transition Center, and she went back to school, uh, graduating in business uh, and arts administration and management. Um, yes, that's not bad, you know. Um, and uh, before I even knew what was happening, she was the artistic executive director of the Norman Rothstein Theater and producer of the famous Chutzpah Festival. 15 years later, she has now just stepped down from the Rothstein Theater, and she is poised to return to perform after a 19-year hiatus. Uh, she is producing a dance show right now of uh, three performance pieces that were choreographed for her, and she will be dancing a new original piece. Um, and she comes with one other qualification. She happens to be my oldest and closest friend. Uh, we go all the way back to high school. Um, and where you have always been all these years, no more than a phone call away. Um, now my next guest. She's also an accomplished award-winning international dancer. She's a graduate of NYU, New York University, from the Tisch School of the Arts, uh, where she you won an award, and I'm sorry I didn't write it down. Um, she's worked in Poland in uh, uh, an apprenticeship in Sofia, uh, Bulgaria, uh, San Diego, Seattle, Mexico City, Vancouver, Montreal, and New York City, of course. She danced with Sidra Bell from 2012 to 2016. Uh, she's currently the rehearsal director of the dance program in Vancouver that Mary Louise is mounting. And her other qualification, she happens to be Mary Louise's daughter. Um, <laughs> and uh, both of them I'm very lucky to have as friends. Last time, Rebecca, I saw you dancing, it was down the aisle to get married um, <laughs> in New York. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great wedding. It was a great wedding. Um, so I'd like to welcome you both here. Um, I know you're, we're not here to discuss dance families. Uh, 
what we are looking at is that uh, there's a very serious problem amongst, you know, in the dance world, mainly with women, but also with, with um, boys, men, um, but uh, elite athletes. Um, and that's a whole area of disordered eating. Um, so what kind of pressure are dancers subjected to in terms of body weight and shape? Tough? Um, yeah, well, it's it's interesting, um, Gord, because um, one that Rebecca will be able to also really talk to about the more you know sort of current situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, certainly in the last fifteen years, with um, puts with us, I was doing a lot of dance presentation too, so very much still involved in the dance world. And this the arc that you know when I think back to when I was you know. 20, 1920, um, and in the early years of the companies that I, you know, danced with, and one in particular, two in particular, the pressure, it was just, it was just such a pressure, right, to be as thin as you could possibly be, right, which is different, you know, and, and, but over the years, what's been really interesting to see, too, is this, um, Shifting of also how important it is the health, the physical and mental health okay. of dancers and performers, right? So in particular with the, with the contemporary dance world, there is far more of uh, a range of an understanding of the individual and right. how people are, you know, different. So it certainly is, I think it's, it's an issue that is very prevalent, I think, for the, and maybe hopefully not going back, but the pressure of of women in general and girls, right, to, to oh, be yeah. something more and different than what you are. or it's, it's just, and it comes at you from so many areas. So I think certainly it would be in the dance world also, but I think it's also just in so many other aspects of, of life. So, um, and I think people are, especially directors and choreographers, they're, they're, they're more... Um, aware that you have to be careful right <laughs> with oh, how you God, treat yeah. people now more so than than years ago right but rebecca yeah what, what do you yeah. say to, to, yeah rebecca what do you say more in terms of yeah i think yeah it's i mean there has there has definitely been a shift i think there's been a, a lot more awareness of it but something that i've also learned is there we tend to have like one view of what disordered eating looks like. Right. And it's been interesting to kind of see all the different ways it can manifest and the different, like how extreme it can get, how it can be maybe not so obvious. Um, so yeah. And I, th- I think there's been a lot more awareness around that. Right. So it's not just looking at anorexia, but also, you know, all different forms of disordered eating, the obsessiveness, um, but there has been a big push, especially in training institutions, uh, to try and get like health practitioners and nutritionists uh, and mental health advocates working with students uh, right. to kind to help prevent that from also continuing on to the professional world. Um, it's really hard, I think, especially in training institutions when you're constantly comparing yourself to other people. Um, yeah. Well, and I'm curious, Rebecca and Mary Louise, I'm not sure, I mean, Rebecca, it sounds like uh, you both traveled and were probably away from your parents. So, uh, you know, in terms of girls at a young age going to study where they are in a dance institution and how that sense of 
their new family now is the dance community or and it you know or whoever is around them but how is that message sort of infiltrated because I agree Mary Louise that it's in it is for women in North America generally it's in also in figure skating and in you know other sports that aesthetics what is quote-unquote aesthetics is is meant Mm -hmm. to um, uh, be honored but in terms of the community itself what did you find if you were both away from home because I, I wonder of young girls and young boys when that happens in terms of being more susceptible to pressures well, certainly, um, I think a lot of it depends on the age also when you are away from home, right? So, um, you know, in, in my case, my training all happened in Toronto and I was living at home. I didn't, you know, go to a boarding school, the National Ballet or, you know, this um, where you're away, you know, from home at those teenage years. The same with, with Rebecca. Um, so it's it, because a lot of the... You know, I think a lot of seeds also for eating disorders, right? You know, and or just <laughs> a lot of mental health issues. They can also start in the home you're in, right? So De- it's definitely. not necessarily that you just go somewhere else and it's like, whoa, this thing that never ever was kind of in in there or or an aspect of control, right? In the different scenarios you've been in before you leave home right right um so you know in my case that sort of did happen it was a matching up of um uh and this wasn't in um i won't give the name of the company but it was a contemporary dance company in in vancouver that when i that brought me out to vancouver so it just happened to be that that in the kind of an environment that opened up those doors of um, pressure that that manifested itself in image, right? In how you're, you're looking, because that was the push of the director's neurosis was to control through your image, right? So, um, you know, so for me, it started sort of with there, and I can go back and root that it's like, oh yeah, I can see, you know, how I was susceptible. But I think also your point about um, where there is still a youngness, right? Maybe not the teenage years, but you're very vulnerable still in your early 20s, especially, you know, mm-hmm. then. And you don't, you know, you're, it's, it's a control, right? And it's hard to break away from a controlling environment, I think, for anybody at sort of a young, a young age. Especially so if your career is going to depend on that. Me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Rebecca was, you know, like she had her four years of, uh, three years of, um, was really, you know, they put four years of, you know, into three years at NYU Tisch for the dancers, right? So it's going nonstop. But you were, you know, in an environment that actually was healthy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I mean, it's interesting. I almost had like the opposite, um, mm-hmm. not quite the opposite experience, but there was something about also leaving home and kind of, uh, expanding what I thought of as the dance world too. And I remember seeing more performances in New York and seeing different bodies on stage and kind of realizing that I didn't have to look a certain way. I was seeing body types that were similar to mine on stage. I remember seeing that for the first time and just kind of like, it was just really freeing to be like, oh, there's someone that that's, you know, has a body kind of like mine on stage. And uh, they're, 
you know, in a very professional company. So I can do that too, you know? So it's actually this uh, almost like opening up of seeing all the possibilities out there. Um, so it was actually quite, um, yeah, it definitely uh, informed a lot for me. And, and actually, I think in a way kind of helped prevent going down that path because it, I mean, it's so easy. <laughs> it's like, it's not, you know, it's so easy to just start tipping into, you know, really, sure. con- really be controlling what you're eating or becoming mm-hmm. obsessive. Um, and it's, yeah. a, and you're, you're surrounded by people who are acting that way. And, you know, it's just very easy to take that on. I mean, just, you know, yeah. peer pressure alone, you know, mm-hmm. sort of, a, or that mm-hmm. sense of wanting to belong or be one of, you know, in well, the same way as, 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 you know, the, <clears throat> sorry, like your dance director, the, um, you know, head, heads of these companies. I mean, they hold so much power because it's about your career. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't about Saturday afternoon dancing for fitness. You know, no. this is about yeah. elite, elite athletes, you know, that yeah. is, is hoping to earn a living out of this, you know, as a career. Yeah, well, you know, control. Yeah, like one of the things even just to sort of tie back a bit to the family, you know, also, I mean, Rebecca had a very healthy and wonderful training institute, you know, institution where she worked you know, was trained at up until, you know, in grade 12. But it was really important, I know, for her dad and I, that she have the, that opportunity to go and see not only just grow as an adult, right, between the age of, you know, of the development of someone between the age of 78, 18 and 21, right? There's certain, I, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's certain... Um, age spans that where you're almost as the equivalent of aging in dog years, right? The difference between an 18-year-old and a 22-year-old, right, or 21-year-old going through is is just night and day. So having that period of time to explore, shift into, you know, or just not even shift into, but just develop as an adult also, within your profession of, because I, I would feel for myself that if I look back and when I think of some of the stuff I took, I would just be like, I'm out of here. Like I never, <laughs> yes. ever have taken it. And I also, you know, felt that because I have taught a lot dance all, you know, through the years and all through, you know, in the yep. and et cetera. And I would have to say that I felt the strength of, um, the dancers who also went through a post-secondary training program where they had the opportunity to also be away from people who maybe, you know, and teachers and stuff, who also just knew them, you know, since they've been eight years old. Right, right, right. right. So, so, and I have felt that there's more of a strength and not putting up with, with um, maybe some of that, that control. So, and Mary Louise, were you worried about Rebecca going into dance? Well, no, not not really, because... Or maybe, had, Rebecca, you were worried. <laughs> I yeah, know. I mean, it's, it's really sort of hard. And you can gauge, I mean, both kids, you know, potential, you know, just, um, it was like doing something and that they wanted to do, but also making sure that the opportunity was there. I mean, you can dance, feel you want to dance and you want to, do whatever you can but if you haven't had a training you can you can think it all you want and it won't happen right so (laughs) certain things you must train from this sort of early early age and right at the beginning she really showed um uh, a love and and an an interest you know with Mm -hmm. it 
I think that was also, though, part of why it's really great to get a good undergraduate degree from a, a you know, good university because you do have that. Yeah. I think it's right. terrible, Rebecca, that they sent you to New York City to have to grow up. <laughs> oh, I loved it. Are you kidding me? I was so excited. I'm joking. I'm like, I could have been Rochester. <laughs> I'm so lucky. I mean, I'm so lucky. But also, there was never any, um, yeah, there was never any uh, direct pressure to dance if I didn't want to. Yeah. And I think that's right. really important. You know, if you don't want to do this, it's a hard career. You really have to want to, you know, you have to want to do it and to know that I could leave it and not be shamed uh, mm-hmm. is really important. Yeah. Yeah. And it will always be important. One of the things too to read. Oh, sorry. One of the things that's just um, that maybe we could, you know, touch on when when we come back that is just really important about any sort of eating disorder, but especially if it's one that is where you are semi starving yourself or starving yourself, is your head starving. Yes. They are the best. A starved person is very easy to control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no kidding. So yes. that's that push from, from that end. Like in, in basically in life is really, it's like not so much all about the person who is maybe ill, but it's like you need to look at those who helped yeah. and kept them right. in that right. state. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, very uh, good, good point. point. Rebecca. That's good point. the real stick part Good point. It. I think yeah. that we uh, need to come back and talk about that. Uh, You are listening to Things Worth Considering, and we will be back with Rebecca Margalik and Mary Louise Albert in two minutes. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Yonge Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. Follow the Voice America Empowerment Channel on Twitter. You already know we're full of great ideas and our hosts have plenty to say. We want to hear from you too. Be sure to follow us at VA Empowerment and come back every day to see what's next. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Riddell and Alexia Georgiusis. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now back to Things Worth Considering. 
Hi, welcome back. Uh, we're here with uh, Mary Louise Albert and Rebecca Margalik, and they are fabulous dancers. I know them both very well, and I've watched them dance uh, for years now. Uh, mm-hmm. And we're talking, though, about sort of a, a sub uh, a sub part of the dance world with elite uh, dancers, and that is the whole area of uh, body dysmorphia, of uh, eating disorders. It, is there a lot of shame around it? Like the, people with eating disorders that are dancing, is it kind of a hush-hush thing? Like people, or is it something that's shared amongst yourselves? You know, like if you've got it, you mm-hmm. sort of, hey, I found really? this great laxative, yeah. you know? Well, no, yeah, exactly. It's it's like people around will know. Well, it's hard not to know. It, right? It's hard not to know. Because, well, it's hard not to know because it, yeah, because it, it's a different look, right? There's a different, there's, a, you can tell like a look of somebody who's just, let's say, naturally very thin and they're healthy, but they're just a real skinny person. That's how they are. Whereas somebody who has gone into a starvation side to it, right. It's a different, different sort of look, but it's also, um, I mean, again, I, I can only go with my experience yep. going back with that, but you would hide it, right. Yes. You would find similar to, I think if people are, you know, a drug addict or an alcoholic, right. And you're functioning, you have to function, but you're finding ways to, when you're showing up for the period of time with work, it's not um, it's apparent because also there's a, a buzz to it too. So I would have to say that, you know, some of um, some amazing dance, you know, really good dancing I did when I was like that. Too, so right? there's, there's a buzz to basically being half starved? Well, you sort of um, keeping the secrets. Yeah, there's the a bias. lightness. There's a whole a lightness. They have to start, right? Because you're. You know, it's, it's, everything is just focused on being able to, at least, and again, I'm talking for myself, to make it so that you can do what you're doing just that, right? Like, I didn't have any other life outside of That's right. yeah. that studio. It was all focused. And you get a lot of attention, too, right? Like, you know, people... Lots of people thought I looked fantastic. Not just the other dancers, but just the world out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that felt sad too, because it's a look that um, a lot of people. Well, you know, it's a look, it's yeah. a look we're seeing in high fashion. You know, the emaciated Absolutely. models. Yeah. You know, the, the women and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I know some members of the LGBT community that will starve themselves before going to raves so that their yeah. stomach will be nice and convex, you know, and like or mm-hmm. concave, I mean. Yeah. And mine's convex, that's right. It's called COVID <laughs> belly. When they, <laughs> they have the, the, the covet, you know, concave uh, stomach, and it would be from starving themselves before they then went to these all-weekend dance things. So it's like it can catch you, right? So I think there comes a time when people can maybe do that sort of like, off and on, weight mm. and gaining, and then there comes a point where then it's it overtakes, right? Right. And I don't. Isn't that the same as drugs and alcohol? It is. It, yeah. it, it, I think it. You're kind you know? of touching on I, the well, fact you that would know. Yeah. It can. Right. It can be a, an addictive pattern to it's some right. extent. And Mary Louise, prior to the break, you were talking about who else this serves, because. You know, mm-hmm. someone who the idea of control and and uh, Rebecca and Mary Louise, either one of you, do you want to speak to that? Yeah, I. It's interesting because I'm, my experience is very different. Where I, you know, I've not experienced disordered eating, but 
I've been around people who have been prior to that breaking point, but there's a real um, silence on behalf of other people in the room, kind of hush hush about it. Um, mm. And just not, instead of just openly checking in, it's kind of this like tiptoeing around. It's asking like, aren't you hungry or da da da, like this kind <laughs> of tiptoeing. It's not, it's not helpful. Yeah. And that's something I've learned. The um, elephant in the middle of the room. Yeah. It's just yeah. not helpful. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, that's something I've learned a lot. I've luck, I've, you know, fortunately enough, not been in very pow, um, strong power dynamic situations. I think I've uh, kind of been amongst a group of dancers that are um, very vocal and are advocating for their rights in the studio. Um, and I've had luckily very um, great relationships with a lot of people I've worked with, but I have heard that that power <laughs> is still in the room in a lot of companies and training institutions. Um, mm-hmm. So we're still seeing that same uh, unfair hierarchy, power dynamic. And, and I think a lot of that hush hush comes about because the other dancers in the room are also scared of the person in the front of the room right. and um, don't feel that they have the power or the, the right to really speak about it and are just waiting for that person in the front of the room to deal with it. Right. Um, it's, also how we, it's also how we en- <clears throat> enable our friends though. You know, it's like, I'm not going to talk about, uh, you know, Joe's drinking over here um, just because I, won't, I don't want Joe to get into trouble kind of yeah. thing. I also don't want him like, you know, angry at me. So, I mean, it's one of the ways that we enable people to stay in basically life-threatening uh, situations and how they're self-harming or or even, you know, going beyond self-harm to almost like, you know, fatalities. Uh, and by keeping our mouth shut, actually, we, we, we would play a big role in that. We yeah. really do. And that's that whole enabling piece. You know, the, the, yeah. the woman who's been married to the alcoholic just to be, you know, totally generalized. And, and uh, she, you know, she goes and she picks up the alcohol so he doesn't have to drive. And wasn't that just convenience, you know, um, and, and, and whatever. And that's all just enabling behavior. And it takes a while for us to be able to break away from that. If we ever do. Well, I, yeah. And I remember also like in this, because it was really only one company, right? When I was out in Vancouver that I had this period of time with, right? Mm. So I did, you know, get over it. And then the next company I joined and was part of for a number of years, um, it was um, very supportive that way. Oh, so right? it even gave you a husband. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> That's so funny. But um, I remember also, you know, how the um, some of the other dancers, right, with that power control and um, because everybody, I think a lot of people like having a bit of power, right? It was, it's, I remember, you know, not being told that, you know, six foot male, you know, dancer couldn't lift me because I was weighing about 107 pounds at the time, right? So they all, nobody, they're really, there wasn't anybody looking and, you know, when you think back now, if it had been us or doing something, I would go up to, you know, the director and what are you doing? You are going to kill this human being if you don't, you know, if we don't get some, so it's, it's, um, it takes, you know, it, it's not just um, 
empower, trying to empower the person by, you know, getting better or sick, right? But it's changing, you know, the mindset of the hierarchy. But also, I think a sense of responsibility for people around, I think that's also lacking, right? Yeah. And, and that we are afraid. And it's almost like, well, why? You know, if somebody can't really come straight out and say something and try to do something, that's a problem, to, you know, I remember I was working at actually a restaurant in between working with the same company and um, was really, again, so, so skinny, you know, and and the, the man who ran the bar, part of it, he just looked at me once and said in front of everyone, you know what, you just need a really good meal. <laughs> <laughs> you need to yeah. start eating like this, right? And yep. he just sort of came out with it. And that's the only time anybody wow. ever suggested to me to eat so right. fascinating because yeah that aspect in our society mm-hmm. around enabling or being afraid and and mm-hmm. is so pervasive still and you know years ago i worked in gymnastics and the, i was never a gymnast but i worked in gymnastics and i know i was mentioning this on the break but part of the culture that was there was when the girls would be on their breaks for the meets and the boys boy gymnasts would be on the other side of the room that the coaches would take the uh the treats the cookies or whatever it was in the lunch that was provided and take it from all the girls and give it to the boys. So it was a real sense of sort of shaming, but they weren't allowed. And and I know that that's really prevalent in, in gymnastics. And, and, and again, it's not just the sport. It's the fact that it's part of our culture on many ways about how women should look. And, right. the, you know, Mary Louise, the fact that when that man said that to you, I'm curious, what was your response mm-hmm. to him? You know what? I felt it was like, wow, somebody actually cares about me. You know, and even though we weren't close or we weren't at all, it was, he was right. And it was so amazing how he just pinpointed it because he didn't really know, you know, that well. He didn't, you know, just, you know, working sort of together for a period of time. But he knew that this was, he can watch and it's like, it's not normal. For somebody to be, you know, yeah, just eating as little or as controlled, more eating how controlled, you know, about what you're eating and what you're doing. But to like get with you with the um, like the boys, right, having getting those desserts, that it would have been also difficult for them. To yes. Stand up and yes. To say, I'm sorry, I'm not eating this. Right. Right, because they have to be then this other mm-hmm. part of, of the culture. So you see the 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 the, the part that you know is um, missing, or I don't want to say missing, but really always needs to be addressed is who is in the room with us. A bit more power to those people in there, and what are they? What messages are they doing? They were allowed to do it back then, right? He was. Absolutely, the cow. The, I think the, the public still. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, but it's um, still there. It's still. Absolutely. Yeah, well, the public yeah. still holds this, especially with you know, say ballet, as to exactly what you know males and females are supposed to look like. Um, one of the studies I was reading was uh, the the whole you know the female of the long, lanky, totally straight, you know, with the long arms and legs and everything is George Balanchine. 
they hold him totally responsible for establishing the female and the male is being is is Najinsky you know prior to that it, you know male dancers didn't look anything like today's male dancer and that right. rolls right out of Najinsky down through Rudolf Nureyev and you know I mean we all know when Rudolf Nureyev defected everyone was like oh my god this is the perfect male dancer uh, f- mm-hmm. uh, followed by uh, uh, uh yeah you know and and uh, just all these although he was a little bit more muscular but um mm-hmm. You know, but we've got these that people have more. bought into. We yeah. expect to see that on the stage now. Yeah, yeah. Because they also defected, like Grishnikov and and is that they would not in Russia because they weren't of the six foot lanky, you know, type of male body. They weren't given the leads in the ballet. Interesting. And they came here and they were like, oh and my God. Then yeah. it, so for them to really be able to expand sort of their, their artistry, but, but yeah. Um, yeah, no, it really, it's, it's, um, I've been watching, um, uh, this, a documentary called the bow on the Nexium. It's cool. I'm sorry. It's called the what? The bow. The bow. And it's this cult, right? The Nexium. Right? Yeah. It's, it's uh, Nexium. It was like just recently they've been on trial in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. It all finally came all apart. But basically, um, it pertains to this because a big a big uh, aspect of control was this: the head of the cult, this man, was basically encouraging major disordered eating and control, and then also using it as like did then. Yeah, yeah, of the women and, and using it as a as a control. Like you are so strong because you're able to do this. And and I think that also plays into a lot mm-hmm. of disordered eating as well. It's mm-hmm. like you you're able to conquer your own body and, and right. have control over it. Perfect. Um, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah, so and there's it, a real a real uh, work at, uh, um, like the woman is trying to reclaim her own power by by having control over yeah. her body, which includes starving it. Yeah, because it felt also like that was the one area that you could control, right? So for me, when I was with that particular company, that yes, there were lots of really positive things about it, right? And I look back and have a lot of love for the director and she recently passed away. And that's my main feeling for her, right? This was a Mm -hmm. long time ago. And everybody, you you realize in that room with the anarch, there's a lot of people who also have, real issues themselves in order to do that, you know, and behave that way. So as you get older, your empathy, your understanding of that really comes more into play. So there was still lots of really kind of wonderful things, but I would have to, you know, think back that for the majority of the time I was there, I wanted to quit. I didn't really like Uh, it there, not just because of how I I was being hit. I didn't really like it. And that's where you look back and you go, wow, a healthier person or another person would say, sorry, I quit. I'll (laughs) see you later. And not be this fear of what's going to happen if I I do that. It it wasn't um, logical at all. And it, it wasn't, it was part of that fear of leaving was also so rooted in, in um, how I was able to emotionally and physically handle things because I was not 
eat. <laughs> yes. It, oh, it's, it's huge. It changes changes the physiology of the brain of the body, and and you know there. That's why in in certain religious fasting and ceremonies, but there's a chance it allows for a tremendous focus, but not when it's prolonged. To the extent, especially when the physical body has to use, basically eat its own tissues to survive and have fuel, right? right? So heart muscle shrinks, there's so many things, but the the power dynamic is fascinating. And also the, what you brought up, Mary Louise, around the the boys that are in this situation where they can't necessarily speak up. And maybe Rebecca, you can speak to that around your experience um, with these, sounds like very empowered women who are like all shapes and sizes that are just allowing themselves to move. Yeah, I think it's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know exactly what to say. That I mean, I've, I've again, like, I've generally been very fortunate that most of the men in the room have also been feminists <laughs> in and of themselves. <laughs> so, uh, and I don't know, maybe it's also a generational thing. I mean, I'm not saying it doesn't make, you know, that problem is not still there. It's definitely there. But for me, it's been like really, you know, I've experienced really subtle things and especially, um, when I was younger, like certain comments on people's bodies and, you know, like the really, it's the subtle things that just eventually kind of like seep into your brain and you start Mm -hmm. to kind of change the way you see yourself Mm -hmm. and you start to beat down on yourself more and more and you become more critical of your body. And, you know, that's fed from somewhere. Yeah. It's It's those those little messages that are so damaging. You know, yeah, it's kind of like yeah. the sculptor who just chips away at you, you know, sort of thing. Yeah. It's not like a, you know, in therapy, you know, people want to know the big bang, what happened to me? And it's going to be one thing, but it's that chipping away. That's mm-hmm. the insidiousness of it. Yeah, That's so right. hard. And speaking and of insidious, we're at the end of this segment. We have to break for a commercial here. And we're uh-huh. going to be right back and talk more with Mary Louise Albert and Rebecca Margalik. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories, it is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are 
listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Vidal and Alexia Georgiusis. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now back to Things Worth Considering. All right, welcome back. Um, I just want to remind you that uh, we are live to air and we have telephones on standby. If you'd like to uh, join in on our conversation, we're at uh, 1-888-346-9141. That is toll-free anywhere in North America. Uh, internationally, um, you are also welcome to join this conversation, 001-480-553-5760. So, where were we? Look at dead silence. We, this isn't we, good for yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What? We were somewhere. There were you, so you're many. You're bringing up some really important points, actually. Really important points, really. And, and mm-hmm. you know, one thing, Mary Louise, first of all, it's really amazing that you were able to actually heal and, and mm-hmm. recover and, and to be able to thrive. And I'm curious, Rebecca, how, you know, knowing what your mother went through, how this impacted you in your experience of dance? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think it just came back to like, what's, for me, it's like, what's really important. And I think my mom was always really good at instilling that, right? So it's not about, you know, what you look like, what other people expect you to be, but like really what's important? Why do you do this? And so I think I was able to kind of, filter out the white noise as hard as that was sometimes. I definitely had periods of becoming quite obsessed about what I ate and what I looked like, but I was able to keep that like integrity, knowing what she went through and knowing, um, knowing what it did to you and also being, having open dialogue about it. I think that's really important. Um, And to know like, that at the end of the day, like my body is what it is. <laughs> and like, you know, I don't care if you don't like it. So it's like, I think okay, that was- You have a, a stunning body, please. Good for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's gorgeous. But She's gorgeous, yes. But that's a really interesting point when you say that, right? Because yeah, you are gorgeous and smart and stuff. And that's what is also about a lot of people who do have an eating disorder, who are anorexic. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's not about the fact that they're not that smart or they're not talented or they're not good looking or they're not, right? There's all these levels of control. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely felt, you know, with myself and with peers, I've I've seen at points where we like almost teeter, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's like almost you know, where, where's the line between disordered eating or not? You know, it's like this really blurry, what is a extremely, extreme bad diet for too long versus, you know, a diagnosed eating disorder. So it's always this like balance um, that I think we're all trying to find, especially when it comes to eating. Cause it's, it's well, and it's, I I agree. And especially when it comes to most women, I think that, you know, I remember years ago, one of the studies I was looking at that it was estimated around 80% of women experience disordered eating of some point at some point in their lifetime. And, Mm -hmm. and I think that that's just reflective of again, of what society, the messaging that keeps happening, that, that keeps, and it still does to this day. I don't, I don't know how much it's shifted. I, I'm curious that Rebecca and Mary Louise, you've said that now it's changing. And 
I wonder because even when I see gymnasts and gymnastics, I always, you know, when I worked in that that field, I always would say, why are these girls wearing these bathing suit type of outfits rather than something yeah. that's a little more, you know, gives them a little more privacy or something. But there was, exactly. that, that was a long time ago. It was 20 odd years ago, but it was ver- very much around, nope, you don't want to see the fat. You don't want to see the cellulite. So they, they would have to wear these very high cut outfits, right? Without tights. Right. I think that, you know, between, um, you know, dancers who wear very little and consistently as they're costuming in public. So they're, they're always got this public body exposure and then surrounded by mirrors in the rehearsal hall. I mean, it's just like body, look at your body, get everybody else, look at your body. Uh, it's it's how do you get away from any of that? You know, I mean, it's uh, everything is is designed to show off your body, and it's a let you know it's athletic prowess, which is wonderful. But you know, where else does it say focus on something else, Rebecca? You know, yeah, it's like, I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I think I mean mirrors definitely play a role, but all I mean I think it really comes back down to education and um, the responsibility of education on the part of institutions. Um, and our, our society in general, um, we need to have like more open conversations about this and, and more open conversations about mental health in general, not just, well, yeah, we're barely, you know, yeah. it's a part of it, right? it. Yeah. We're just beginning to yeah. talk about mental health, you know, uh, yeah. Cam yeah. H in Ontario has, you know, had a great campaign of, you know, mental health is health. Um, and it's so true. Yeah. So the other, um, thing I feel that where there is, um, a, a shift but um the the thing is is that we always i think with dance because again it's your instrument as an artist right so mm-hmm. violinist can put his violin right. his or violin away very proud of it if it's you know gorgeous violin or whatever but it can <laughs> go you know go away is that the the real when you what can draw people and really draw people to to dance and a dancer it's the artist it's not what they look like we've been conditioned to think that it is more about that but it is the the artist and that's where i think the role and the control of institutions or people in a hierarchical you know way of doing it a lot of people just they need to leave yeah, absolutely. It is done, <laughs> right? It's yes, like, and yes. you see it in some of the institutions like that were happening. That we we saw, you know, with the Me Too movement, we're seeing with Black Lives Matter and stuff. It's not. It's like who's running stuff that the top needs to sort of needs to be changing, right? But the average, you know, the person watching a dancer artist, I would say that. Um, you know, if they're really like you as an artist, that's what they're liking. That demand to look a certain way is not an audience demand, right? Hmm. It's, it's, yeah. Okay. So it's a, it's a, that it's artist's key. personality, the, the, it's the IT, the it. Yeah. But there's a, there's a peak in age, right? You're not seeing 35 year old gymnasts. But you've seen 35-year-old dancer. I danced till I was 45. 
Yeah, and that's amazing. I do it, right. right? And it was physical. And I didn't look, you know, it was just like I was able, I didn't get injured. I was able to do it. So coming back and doing a work now that I'm doing, revisiting, coming back and performing after I've left, you know, this, you know, job 15 years and, and if, again, had stayed involved in dance, the choreographer I'm working with, right? And this was very important for me to work with somebody like this. He's, if for him, the interest of doing this work is to find, to bring out the artist who is now, right? Not was or whatever, all this feeds, but it's right now. And it's been um, a really good, um, good experience. And, but it really showed that in this room, I feel 100% safe mm-hmm. within that way. Right, right. Right, right to the point where you can ca- you can catch people looking at you. It's like mm-hmm. they might think they're fine, and then you can see them looking, and you know that judgment is there. Uh-huh. But I know with this person, etc., it is not. But I couldn't have worked in any other way at this, you know, this age. So I think that level of really understanding and caring about the human being and the artist that should be the number one reason you are in a studio with a group of of people in particular with young, with young people. So, um, yeah. And, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. And the fact that you're still seeing where there is that hierarchical, right. They might Mm -hmm. not be as, open about it because now it can fly through social media right that you Uh did something or you're saying (laughs) but it certainly is it is there and i i think um yeah yeah that's fantastic yeah i think that's true you know in 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 almost any profession you can have you know the person who is so you know through criticism and criticizing tries to train people and get them to see things or whatever but then you get the mentor and I think the mentor, yeah. you know, brings you along at a place where they're at, you know, like I, I see it as a very different place of meeting um, as opposed to the authoritarian criticism that belongs to the old world. That's not part of the new world. Right. It can't be, you know, yeah. because it's just so damaging. We've got so many damaged people in so many professions uh, right. uh, because of, of, you know, uh, them just being chipped away through through shame, through, you know, throwaway lines, you know, you'll never amount to anything, you know, uh, you know, or, or whatever, all kinds of just lovely lines that people have been told and they believe it, they take it in and, and well, they, uh, act it out eventually, yeah. actually. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You teach so what act, you know. Yeah. 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 We act out those lines know. eventually. Yeah. You don't think I'm going to be anything? Well, watch this. Look, I'm so, I've been unemployed now for 10 years. Told you I wouldn't amount to anything. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, yeah, we, we act it out. So yeah. for both of you, uh, Rebecca and uh, Mary Louise, you know, given that the episode we're talking about the development or discovering resilience and, and mm-hmm. for each of you, it's a very different story and it's a really wonderful story. It's quite remarkable. Um, can you a- answer that around what your sense of resilience and what was sort of, what does it mean for each of you, but also what your turning point was? Okay. <laughs> um, hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, I think it's an on, it's definitely an ongoing process, but um, oh, yeah. for me, I, I did have that, that mentor 
working relationship with with Sidra Bell, who I worked for um, a number of years, and 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 she and her dancers and herself are like these strong women. I remember when I joined the company, I was just like, okay. And when I first saw the company, I was just like, okay, the, yeah, this is this is what I want to do. This is what I want to see. Um, and I think working working with her for so many years, um, it also gave me the power um, to to then move forward when they did leave the company and like be, be picky about who I worked with, right? So I was like, I know, I know this person, I'm not gonna have a good working relationship with them. They've had a history of abusing their dancers. I'm not gonna work for them. I'm gonna work for this person who I have a really wonderful relationship with. Um, so I've kind of found that resilience that way and I've kind of weaved through the dance world uh, working with different people, um, but maintaining a sense of like independence and strength um, through that. And I think that really does stem from obviously my mom <laughs> and oh, yeah. my training. She's and a definite bounce backer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, thanks for me. Yeah. No, well, and, I you, think, uh, and I think like for me, it was, if I then take sort of another chapter of life way early before having children and then Rebecca, what, what made a turning point for me? And I think it, it also, I had mentioned earlier that um, I was a young adult when I became seriously anorexic. So I did know what it was like to have a sex drive, <laughs> to have, you know, enjoy food, to know I wanted to have, because all those things go away too, right? So it, yes, it, yes. Um, so I was, I knew that there was I something matter, right? And I had at that time near the end I start you know to see a doctor and 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 very good patient system around me right that when I realized that okay I either am going to get over this or I'm not going to make it and it was then I wanted to get over it right so then I had that support of the hospital and and everything you know sort of coming in in to be there but I also, I knew that I wanted to have children and I wanted to, that this, this was. That yeah. was pivotal. It was, it was, a, it was a real like, yeah. how, like, okay, I don't uh, want to be around. Cause you know, I, I have to, I have to say, unfortunately we're running out of time um, yeah. you, and I'm, I'll finish your story. Cause I lived in Vancouver at that time was when your son Joseph was born. Uh, it, it ended, it ended at that time. It was over. You knew that. You know, oh, it was totally over. Yeah, yeah. your body it had been, been restored and you had been granted yeah. this fabulous mm-hmm. uh, little boy. Yeah. This little boy, by the way, is now, uh, uh, Joseph, I have to give you a plug here. Uh, <laughs> he's now working in Arkansas. He is a, a trauma surgeon, uh, just finished up in surgeon. Dallas, and uh, he's now a level one uh, surgeon. In Arkansas. I'm so glad you had Rebecca too. And Rebecca was <laughs> next yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, exactly. <laughs> let, me, let me tell oh, you about next week. <laughs> next week, we have Mr. Taylor Bratt. Uh, he is a co visionary and one of the and leaders of Authentic Relating in Toronto. Um, he's going to be here and he's going to be telling us about his mission of um, professional development and bringing meditative and contemplative practices into the mainstream, helping individuals, society, and corporations moving to their next stage of development. So this is about authentic relating. And he's a very interesting man, Taylor Bratt. Uh, his wife uh, also is involved. She will uh, unfortunately be joining us October 22nd at 8 p.m. Ladies, thank you so much. Love you. Uh, thank you. 
you both. Thank, thank you. you very much. And I'm glad it's you're really here. Okay. Well. Thank you so much, folks. Uh, we will be back next week, as I said, with Mr. Jello Brad. Alexia, as always, thank you. Thank you, Gordon. Have a great week. Stay Good well. night, everyone. Thank you for tuning into Things Worth Considering. Please join your hosts, Alexia Georgiousis and Gord Riddell, for another edition next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, think about the connections in your life and how they define who you are. 